love you. Welcome back, couch potatoes. I love y'all. So glad to have you here. I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh. And I am the Faceless Leon. Welcome to Green and Faceless on the Couch, a podcast about movies and-a-tell-a-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la
you know, it took me to the third verse to realize that it was out of order. And, and I just started laughing. I, I, it was so good. So I really think that first season that the way they told it was great, but I think it would have worked better if it was a standalone thing. Some of the characters that are fantastic I want to mention real quick is obviously Yennefer, played by Anya Chalotra, and I know I butchered that, but she's amazing. So she becomes a mage, starts out being this very deformed young woman whose stepfather, or whatever you want to call him, hates, and he sells her for pennies or something like that. It's it's yeah. pretty fucked up, but... Anyways, she becomes, like, the most powerful mage. And so the second season, Ciri and Geralt are finally together. Ciri played by Freya Allen and Geralt by Superman, Henry Cavill. They go back to the headquarters of the Witchers to protect and train Ciri. But that's because Ciri wants to be able to protect herself. I really applaud them for the will that series character has she's a very strong character she's like i don't want to be in those situations like i was in the first season where i i can't do anything i'm glad they improved her character i haven't watched the second season but hearing you say that makes me happy because i tried re-watching because we were originally gonna do right this as a tv talk we were gonna talk season two but i just couldn't get back into it the the linear story right. as much as i loved it the first time around was really hard for me to right. get back into and one one of the other big things was while Yennefer is an amazing strong character and Geralt is awesome as fucking always because Henry Cavill is just right. I'll talk him later, but Ciri was one of the problems that really bothered me because they don't do anything with her character except right. she just runs the fuck away constantly. Right? They do. So Ciri also there's there's something special about Ciri beyond her yeah. being the child surprise and a princess. <laughs> she, she has some kind of mystical powers surrounding her that are kind of different than everything else in the world so like witcher magic and mage magic is different and i think that's because you have to have the mutagens to to do the witcher magic I'm not sure i haven't read the books and i'm sure there's more detail right. in the books and I tried to play the game, and that game is so fucking hard. The third one, anyways. I, yeah. I didn't even yeah. know about the first two when, when they came out. So, in this new season, there are these monoliths around the continent that are breaking. It's doing weird things to the already weird monsters. So, they're trying to figure that out, and that's kind of... A very very loose interpretation of the plot of season two they also do a lot with the racism between the humans and the elves a lot a lot oh good good yeah you know i think there might be a little bit i don't know how how, how to say this so it's kind of weird to see the stereotypical oppressor and oppressee scenes when it comes to race and then the person lying on the ground getting the shit kicked out of them is a is a white guy that, that kind of is a little bit weird. Now, they do colorblind casting across the board, I would say, except for, you know, there's, for those three main characters, there's very iconic looks for them, so they, they had to go for yeah. that. For the secondary and other primary characters, I feel like they do a pretty good job at casting diversely. And I don't know, maybe I would be more upset if a white person was kicking on 
a black elf. I don't know, but yeah, there there are all uh, different colors of the rainbow in all the races, and I really appreciate the show for that because it's a fantasy. Why why do we have to be like no elves are pure white snow people? You you can't <laughs> mess with their divinity or whatever the fuck. But anyhow, I had a lot of fun with the second season. I I mean it's fucking fantasy. I'm I'm a sucker for it. I'm going to watch the yeah. third season when it comes out, and it will, because it, I'm pretty sure it did successfully. But I heard that some of the hardcore fans were upset about some of the stuff that, See that? happened. Okay, yeah, because that's what I was going to say. I'm, I'm happy that you enjoyed it, because I haven't seen good reviews. I've only seen... Yeah. But again, I haven't sought out reviews either. I haven't looked up how it's right. doing. The only things that have popped up in my tunnel vision here have been like, oh, why Witcher fans are so pissed at season two, or why yeah. Wheel of Time works as an adaptation, but Witcher does not. So, no, like, I, I, I just keep understand. seeing those things. <laughs> I yeah, I didn't read because, the articles. Because I think it's pretty great. Now, like I said, I didn't play through that game because I couldn't get very far in it, and I didn't read the books. So, there right. might be problems that I just don't know, but... I rather enjoyed it. I think it is an interesting yeah. direction for the show to take. Uh, there's some crazy, weird shit going on with Siri towards the end that I'm not going to spoil. Uh, they introduce Vesemir, uh, who was uh, who's another iconic character from the series. He's kind of like Geralt's Witcher dad. He's kind of the Witcher dad of all of hmm. them. And his name is Kim. Gross. The actor name is Kim Bodnia. And I thought they did a really good job of finding somebody who looked a lot like that character in the game. So I don't know if you ever tried to play the game, but in the very beginning where you're doing the tutorial, he's the guy that, that's training Geralt. Um, oh, gotcha. Yeah. I don't remember him, but I did try. I think you loaned it to me, and I was just like, I got maybe 30 minutes into gameplay, and that was about it. Yeah, I think I got maybe an hour or so. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, that's on me too, because like I could tell there's a great game here. Oh, uh, yeah. when, when we lived with our good friend, uh, Professor Ronvald the Scald, mm -hmm. he played it a lot, and I just loved watching him play it. Like, that's that's kind of the kind of gamer I am, is I want to play games, but I'm more entertained by watching people play the game while I'm right. there. I don't think he's gotten very far in the game either. I don't think he's ever finished it. Because it is a hard game. He definitely played it for quite a few hours, because I definitely right. zoned out and just watched him play for many nights, but not just that game. He played a lot of other games, but I did like what I saw. It definitely looked like a good game, but playing it, I was just not... It's rough. It, it, not yeah. rough in the way that it's poorly made. It's rough as in, you know, you're fighting these monsters, and they, they make it legitimately difficult. Like, you have to outsmart the monsters uh, and sometimes you're just in a situation where you can't do that anymore and it's hard <laughs> but that's what i have to say about the witcher nice yeah we had a friend i don't think you were at the book club meeting for this one but we had a friend who read the one of the witcher books and i think she said that she liked it but that it was very very hard to get into at times because mm. it was just really detailed or whatever it is a very detailed world for sure and i'm not good at retaining information i love listening to people talk and i love listening to people like especially friends talk about what they love but yeah i don't remember precisely what her opinions on it were but i don't remember them being glowing mm. i remembered it being more like our our viewpoint on the game where it's like yes it looks good 
No, I did not get into it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I really don't think that that is a, a critique on the game. I wish it, I could have played more of it. It just was too intensive of a game style for me. Right. And I would love to, you know, take a swing at season two. But like I said, like I tried to watch it and uh, I tried to watch season one just right. to remember what was going on. Because that is, that's like the main reason why I think it would have worked better as a standalone thing because there was so much information and then it was told in such a way that it's just, it's just gone. But I yeah. do think they do a pretty good job in that first episode knowing that in the end of the previous season that they get together, Siri and Geralt, I think you could jump off there and and be okay. Like they reference stuff enough. There's there's probably a few characters that you'd be like, oh I don't remember that guy, but then you know they have their own part to tell in this new story. Yeah, I might I might try that then because yeah, I I got like two or three episodes into this rewatching season one and they're long episodes. Yes. They're like hour long. Yeah. Like sometimes an hour and ten. Like they're yeah. it's like watching an old school Disney movie. Except for with blood. <laughs> yeah, and there's just moments where I was just like uh, especially around the third episode where I'm like, I remember what happened, but like, fuck this. Like, it's going on too long. It's taken too long to get into the story. Like, the first time watching, it's oh, fascinating. Yeah. yeah, of course. Because it's a lot of world building and, and you know there is a story being told, but you're not quite sure how it's being wound. And so that's kind of pretty, uh, or woven, I guess is a better word. But that was, it was a very fascinating, but I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's not rewatchable, I don't think. At least the first season. So I might sure. just jump off and I, I might say, watch the second. Yeah, I might agree with you on that. But once I did finish rewatching it, I'm glad I did. I enjoyed it. Mm. I still think it's a very well-told story. Well-told story. And <laughs> <laughs> I am glad that I got the extra information on these side characters from that first season before moving on. But for those of who who think that Yennefer is gone at the end of the first season, she is in this new season, and they do some interesting things with her consider concerning her her magical abilities, and yeah, it's it makes her a different character. So if you want to know what else happens to Yennefer, it, because honestly, she's she was the main draw for me in the first season. Right, I thought she was. Amazing. She became it for me at least. Yes, yes. Yeah, the um, first two first two episodes, like I don't like her character. I don't like what they're, I, I like what they're trying to set up, right? But like her choices, her actions makes her a very easily hateable character. Sure, but like near the end of the season, I fucking loved her. She was like, mm -hmm. she definitely became my favorite thing about it. But it was it was a long long haul to get there. Right. I just find, I mean, yes, she makes some awful choices in the beginning, but I I just find her horribly interesting. It worked for me the whole time through, and it was definitely the parts that I was looking forward to when I rewatched it. Uh, not to say that Henry Cavill didn't do an amazing job. He really puts on a voice for Geralt, though, and I'm not 100% sure I, I necessarily like that. It's very, yeah, it's very close to the game's voice, isn't it? Like it's Yes, yeah, it sounds like the game. Things. And Which, that's the thing with Henry Cavill. That's what I, I wanted to, earlier when I wanted to talk about him. Here's, here's my chance. Because that dude is a beautiful fucking nerd. I love uh -huh. him. Yeah. And like Henry Cavill, if you ever want to come on the podcast, by all freaking means, we will not yeah. talk Superman. 
Yeah, we'll no, talk. We'll talk nerdy no. stuff. Unless we'll you want to talk, talk stuff. Superman, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. If he wants to talk Superman, that's fine. But like, whatever. What we'll, Henry Cavill, if you want to come on the show, you pick three movies. You let us know. We'll talk those <laughs> movies. It'll be a lot of fun. Yes. But like, he he is a beautiful nerd. He he plays. I think he plays D and D, but he is very into video games. You know, he's a yeah. gamer. He's got his own. Yeah. He had his, his YouTube ep- episode that he put out where he was like building his own at home computer. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Like. I love him for that, and that's that's the thing is I I feel like his acting for Geralt is so loyal because I he knows the character really yes. well. Yeah, and 100%. like I I think he's a perfect fucking choice. In, I, in I fact, think- I feel that he you talked about him being loyal to the character, and I've heard that he also has to on set be the guy who's like, hey, this is how this world actually operates, and so like a lot of the loyalty in the script is due to Henry Cavill. That's so, good. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, cause he knows it. He loves it. And so, like, I think as much as I love Yennefer, the, the only things that were keeping me going, rewatching, were the scenes with Geralt. But with how the story is being told, his scenes are more episode of the week mm-hmm. for at least the first three or four right. episodes. Yeah. And I just couldn't stand it after a while. <laughs> so, but just as a reminder to you, since it's been so long, almost every single one of those episodes of the week end up having something oh, that's yeah. important at the end. Yeah, um, I, I remembered. It was just, it just, I, not knowing the tale, the first time watching it, mm-hmm. it really does feel like we have a woven story over here. We have a continuing story right here with Siri. And then Geralt is the monster of the week. Right. And it's just, it does kind of feel that way. Especially that yeah. first episode. Because I, yeah. I I feel like they did that first episode like a traditional pilot. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, we're like, okay, we're going to tell a complete story in this first episode. Just in case Netflix doesn't like it. Maybe they can put it out as a special or something. That's what it feels like to me. But yeah. You're gonna try to swing at it maybe sometime. Yeah, I'll definitely try to. There's there's a lot of uh, shows on my plate right now that right, I gotta right. somehow figure out how to put on. We'll hopefully be talking those in a you month. Just need but... two brains. Yeah, <laughs> instead of Doctor Who's two hearts, I need yes. two brains. Yeah, <laughs> I think one. I think my one brain is bad enough right now. I think it needs. I think I need actually half space in my brain. Like I need to crunch down on like all the inhibitions. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's too many projects that I like. When I have free time, I'm like, ooh, I want to do this. And I'm like, well, I could put a TV show in the background, but I want to be giving my all to this project. <laughs> so then I just put on a musical album and listen do to that project. while doing it. So like, yeah. Yeah, that's where it, oh, that's well. when I do podcasts is when I want to do something with my hands and eyes and have them tell me a story or right. something. Yeah. I was going to start talking about the podcasts I love, but they didn't ask me to do that. So... <laughs> But if you want us to, you can go to patreon.com yes. <laughs> slash green and faceless. <laughs> or, or contact us. You know, I, we should have like a fan yeah. email or something. I'll get that set up. But uh, did you have another pitch or are we going into... No, let's go. I mean, we, we kind of talked it. 20 minutes about The Witcher, so... <laughs> That's fine. I think it deserves it, honestly. Yeah, it's a great um, show. Really good production value. and. 
I feel like Amazon may have put a little less money into the Wheel of Time. Than <laughs> yeah, they were Netflix they were did. marketing it very hard. Yeah. They were marketing it very hard. It's just like it's the new like it's our version of Lord of the Rings and, and mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. It's gonna be our big you know high fantasy. And yeah, as you said, it's a little uh, it's a little under par in the regards to the uh, production value. Yeah. But it, it really it's the monsters. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love the Trollocs. I think the Trollocs are fucking really well really? done. That's the ones, the, yeah. the ones you, in particular that I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, the CGI is kind of gross, but like if you read the books, the, it kind of is exactly what you expect. Oh, from the okay. Books. All right. Like, well, there you yeah. go. Yeah, they're a little goofy, but at the same time, they're supposed to be a little sinister. So it's it's kind of it's weird. <laughs> so here's here is the Wheel of Time, at least the television version. I have read the first three books, which in and of itself is a feat. Because they're all like six hundred to seven hundred pages. Damn. So, and you started while we were watching this. Yeah, yeah. And I've just been doing audiobooks, so it's it's very nice. But at the same time, each audiobook has been twenty four hours long. Holy hell! Yeah, the next one, which I'm on wait for at the library, is forty five hours long, or maybe it was forty two. Holy 42. hell! Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to spend two days of my life basically to listen to the fourth book, and and the library expects me to do it in two weeks. Come on, library, get yeah. your shit together. <laughs> it's an audio book. I mean, you have a digital, like a digital. You're you're not going to the physical yeah. library and picking it up. It's a digital copy. Just make it available. I don't understand. I know. Is it like it's weird? Uh, it's really. It weird. might be like a copyright thing or something like that. Yeah, I think it is. Like it's got to be some weird. But when I get to it, it's, I'm very excited for it because as I've been reading it, I've been loving them. Uh, they are a little like formulaic, but like it's it's whatever. They're really good story. The first one's a lot like Lord of the Rings, and then yeah. after that, because that's that's how he had to publish it. Robert Jordan's the novelist. It's hard to publish high fantasy. It's a very niche market. Easier now, I'd say. It's uh, easier now, yeah. But I think this started. I can't remember when he the first one was published. Shows if it feels in the seventies or the eighties. Wow. But yeah, it's like to do that, to publish a high fantasy and to make it huge, he had to make it a little bit like Lord of the Rings. So that first one, when you read it, has a lot of similarities to the uh, first Lord of the Rings book. And I feel like this first season of the show, you can feel that too. Right, yeah. It's just, it's an adventure to go do something. (laughs) Yes, it is a fantasy MacGuffin show. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, he, he ended up writing... 14 novels, 15 if you include the prequel. He wrote a prequel novel. So I'm going to have a long time reading this. It's going to take about a whole freaking year. But it's going to be very exciting, and I really do enjoy it. The show's version is pretty similar for quite a bit. They are rushing it heavily, but we'll get into that. The first season involves Moraine, who is an Aes Sedai. So I guess I should explain the magic structure first. That's probably the best way to go into the Wheel of Time. I agree, because I feel like they don't necessarily do the best job. Yeah, they don't. So so that's... Oh, do I want to give my cons up front? Because my my two big cons is they don't really do a well job at explaining the world or showing you the world. They do show you the cities, and the cities all look beautiful. They are pretty. They don't give you a map. No. That pisses me off so much because Game of Thrones, their entire intro is a fucking map of the world. You know everything you need. You see it constantly. Every single episode, it reminds you of which cities are important. Yeah, and it was so smart 
because it, it always highlighted the cities that the story for the episode was going to take place in. Exactly. It, very smart. Very smart. Really well Senior done. Senior review of the theme song for Game of <laughs> Right. It's, it's one of the best, honestly. It really is. But the, the problem is... Wheel of Time, I don't think, ever shows you a map of the world. Hmm. And it really starts to cause problems for me because I'm just like, I don't know where the fuck we're at. I don't yeah. know how long it took to get here. I don't know right. what's going on with the You with say time you want to go this. to this place, but I don't know where that is in relation to this. So I don't know how urgently yeah. you need to be moving. I, I, yeah. Exactly. I, and in the, the 14 weeks or whatever, it's not 14 weeks, but like the 14 days it's going to take you to get there. I don't feel that at all because you're just going right. to do it in a montage. Right. But the, the magic structure of Wheel of Time, there is the one true source, I guess. I, I'm going to explain this wrong. So, like, huge fans out there are going to start yelling and screaming. <laughs> I'm just trying to do this quickly. Uh, there is the one true source of power, and from there flow two streams. There is the female stream and the male stream. I don't remember their their names in the books. There's Sidar and Sidine. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one corresponds to which. Okay. I think Sidar is female stream sidine is male stream probably wrong yell at me in the comments but the male stream was long ago corrupted by the dark one by uh you know the evil bad guy of the story uh Bar-Zaman is his name mm. i don't or think one they of give his, his name in the show that's interesting Ooh, yes Bar-Zaman. a lot of it has like similar like christian vibes like sidine almost sounds sure. similar to satan sure Balsamon. And he Anyways, is, he is does make an appearance played by Fares Fares. And and he long ago corrupted it to the point where uh, the maelstrom to where when men use the magic when they try to tap into that magic it will eventually make them go mad. It will make them go absolutely batshit and crazy to where they're like killing people, most often their loved ones and those near them. But then along came Luz Theron whatever his last name is, Talamon, the uh, the dragon, and mm. he killed right. the Dark One, or he you know, he, he defeated the Dark One, he didn't kill him, but he defeated the Dark One. Problem was, after defeating the Dark One, he went crazy because of the, the, the stream of magic and practically broke the world. He he created a you know, in his he killed his family, he he's called Kinslayer in the histories because he killed his family going mad and in the the shame and when the horror of realizing what he did when he when he woke up from his madness because the dark one you know he likes to play games he woke him up from his madness to show him that he had murdered his whole family uh, he created i think it's called dragon mount this is his big city uh, or it's right. a big mountain i mean <clears throat> he just like he he broke the world and from where he was where his body exploded a, a mountain rose kind of thing Wow. And there's a, you know, that was years and years and years and years ago. And in those many, many thousands of years since then, there have been uh, men who would have, you know, who had the ability to touch the magic source. And they have, you know, claimed to be the dragon reborn, that they are lose Theron, whatever, right. come back to either break the world entirely or defeat the Dark One completely. Very, very poorly and inaccurately explained, but that is the basic summary is Moraine, who is an Aes Sedai, one of the female magic users. Um, there, they are a sect of only women and there are many different groups in them. There are red right. Aes Sedai, blue Aes Sedai, the reds, they really hate men. 
they're, they're all against yes men. they're they're kind of their military unit yeah and and they they their specific job is to find men who can touch the magic source of Sidene or Sidar, uh, whichever it is, and gentle them, which mm-hmm. is remove their ability to do so, remove their ability to touch magic and to to do these crazy magical awesome things. And that in itself makes you a certain kind of madness, a melancholic madness. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's like knowing this is a very bad anecdote and i'm sorry to heroin users but it's like you know when you get clean from heroin knowing that the substance out there but you don't want to touch it ever again right well for them it's they can't touch it ever again for the in the wheel of time but it's it's similar to that where it's just it's just a beautiful thing to be able to touch this magical stream of power and then knowing that exists and knowing you can never do so it just it makes them go crazy again or melancholy as you said yeah so since you mentioned talked in depth about the magic, I did want to talk about a kind of a stereotype in in fantasy film where there is so this is how it goes sometimes. There is a something, sometimes magic, sometimes something else that only women have and then there is one boy who who can do it <laughs> yes yes so that it, this kind of falls into that trope a little bit kind but of but i think that the the fact that the magic that there is the two streams and that one of them is exactly. corrupted i think that that is an interesting story especially because men are the one uh, it was a man who corrupted the stream exactly yeah so, so and I that's, think that's that's kind of like how he skirts that that trope is by making it, it's not only women who are magical, everybody can be magical, it's just right. the male's version has been corrupted. Right. So it's like, that's, it's it's a slight skirting of the trope. Like, I agree with you, it is it is a little similar to it, but right. and I, it, it does fall into it, I would mean. And I know that, especially in our friend group, that some women are pretty tired about uh, that trope and i can understand yeah. that oh i'm tired of it. i'm tired but of it too but the female characters in this show are so yeah. good that i mm. at the very least i'm able to look past it and i think that it is it is skirted around like you said that's one thing i like about the books is i kind of was worried that the the female characters were boosted for the show's sake, and that's not true at all. They are there are a lot of very important and strong characters in the books. I do have an issue because a lot of near the end, near the end of the books, at least in the second and third ones, the three main female characters they talk about have in both books become damsels of distress at the end. Right, and yeah. I hate that. And the third one, they learn more and are able to. They are more powerful and are able to free themselves in a way. Uh, but it still was fucking annoying that it happened right. twice in a row. Right. But Moiraine, played by Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike. Yeah, she's definitely the biggest name in this. <laughs> in yeah, this yeah, definitely. And uh, the summary to finally, t- uh, I finally, God, it's so hard. To, there's so much to talk about with Wheel of Time to set it up. Right. That by the time we get to the summary, it feels like we've already been talking for fucking ever about this show. Right. But Rosamund Pike, uh, Moiraine, she comes to the Two Rivers, a very small town in the very far outskirts of the map, I guess. Who that knows? they don't really hear much. You know, like when wars happen, they hear about it like 20 years after the war finished. That's like kind That's of the way to describe them, I guess. Yeah, they're really far out there. And Moiraine comes there because she believes 
that the Dragon Reborn has been reborn in this town. And, it, and she is not she's not a red Aes Sedai. She's not there to gentle the Dragon Reborn. She's blue Aes Sedai. And I don't know specifically what that means, but nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But she is she is there to kind of help him become the Dragon Reborn because she doesn't believe that he's going right. to break the world again. She believes he will save it. Right. So well, the, I the should prophecy, say they also. Right, because it's it could be one of four people uh, who. Mm. Uh, Let's see if I can remember their their names. One of five. One of five, but yeah, I was gonna leave that out because she didn't. That that was like kind of a later development, but whatever. We're gonna talk about. Well, her so anyway. here's the here's another thing though. It, with the books, it is not at all in question who the Dragon Reborn is. It is very upfront in the very first book. So it was surprised to me that the show bothered to make it a hmm. mystery. Hmm. I thought it was interesting. But I, I, I thought it did make it more interesting, especially if you didn't read the books and come into the show mm. just to watch the show. The mystery is a good draw to it. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to, again, it's like uh, giving all the power to the one white guy. But, like, it also steals the his powerful moment. Sorry to spoil that it, the, the Dragon Reborn is a guy. But the, there's, like, three or four options still. So, yeah. like, it's not yeah. a spoiler for who the Dragon Reborn is. But he has so many good moments in the first book that just aren't in the in the, uh, the show at all, and it's just be- I feel like it's just because they don't want to make him that powerful or whatever. But I'm just like, where's his fucking moment? <laughs> it's like <laughs> if he's gonna be this big thing, give him some good moments. Yeah, it doesn't happen until like the last episode or two. Yeah, it really doesn't. It was sad. So the the prospects are Egwene, played by Madeline. Madden, Rand, played by Joshua Stardowski. And Heron. not a relation to H- Hayden Christensen as I don't think he is. He at least. looks so much like he's the ginger Hayden Christensen. It's so yeah, true. It really was. The whole time I was watching it, I was like, Annie? <laughs> <laughs> so you also have Perrin, played by Marcus Rutherford. Matt, played by Barney Harris. And for the first uh, season. Oh, he's gone. Huh? For, for whatever reason, he, he they replaced him with someone who looks very similar to that guy. But I I, I really? heard that it was friendly leaving. Like huh. it, there wasn't like I, I didn't hear about any negatives for why he was leaving, but like Well, yeah, yeah I, I don't, don't I don't know him. what's going on with that, but uh I thought Barney Harris did a great job in the in the I season, thought so too. So I thought he was yeah. He's one of the more compelling characters, I thought. Yeah, Parent and Matt are my favorites in the book, and like uh, I, I, I really enjoyed both of their interpretations in the show. Like, yeah, there's some definitely yeah. some interesting things with with Perrin that I feel like they are waiting for the second season to jump into. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, they really didn't want to go much into no, him didn't. at all. No, so I'm probably going to say this character's wrong, played by Zoe Robbins. Uh, she's the fifth possibility she's a little bit older than the other four and is the mentor of Egwene. the character's name is ninyev uh nynaeve nynaeve thank you and she is the wisdom of their town and it, it's kind of, so she she has already had some contact with the the stream but the way that right. the the wisdoms work they they believe that they're just listening to it, whereas the Aes Sedai they're like, no, you you it is listening to you. 
and I thought that was a pretty interesting distinction. Yeah, it, it changes per town too. So like the closer you get to where the Aes Sedai are, to where their their city is, uh, Tarval Tarvalon Tarvalon, I can't remember. Oh. But the closer you get, the more the wisdoms become more like Aes Sedai, where it's just like they're not trained, but they are smarter about it. Right. She's so far out there that that's how she views it, is that she's listening to this because she doesn't think that she's Aes Sedai. She just thinks she's a healer. Right. And she has a, a grudge against the Aes Sedai as well, because her yeah. mentor was shooed away when she went mm. to go and apply or whatever you do. Well, the whole <laughs> to get the whole of Two Rivers and a lot of other places have grudges against Aes Sedai. Like they, that's part right. of the um, the race issues in this story because like as you said with the elves and the humans and the witcher with the wheel of time there's a lot of that with pretty much every race like right there's the there's these traveling people that are kind of like looked upon and laughed at by everybody right like they're definitely people. yeah yeah they're definitely like a representation of the romani or the traveling irish yeah. here yeah and then like uh the Sedai themselves are hated by a lot of people because a lot of people just like are very wary of them or very wary of magic in general. Right. And there's also a group of people called the Children of the Light who kind of like take pleasure in killing Aes Sedai. At least yes. one of them does. They're, it is like their uh, religion to hunt down yeah. Aes Sedai. And they're like paladins is the best I could come up with for, for what right. to call them. And this one particular guy, um, Padden... Fane, I believe, is the character's name, played by, uh, is that well, right? Well, Pat Fane, he's the, uh, um... Was he the, the traveling the merchant? merchant? Okay. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. so he, yeah. he has some things to do with Matt's character, and he was played by, uh, Johan yeah. Myers, and I thought, I thought it was an interesting character. I'm not sure what they're trying to do with him yet. They did something at the very end of the yeah, show. Yeah, he'll be... Yeah, he's gonna. He seems like he's gonna become. I mean, I know he's gonna become more important, but like by the end of the show, they seem like they plan on doing more with him. Thankfully, so I might be thinking of Amon Valda, played by Abdul Salis. I can't remember his name. I want to say it's Child Vilar, Vilar. Maybe Child Valda. Here, I'll keep Child on Valda. Looking. It might be Child Valda. I don't know, but he. he that character, while you're looking for him, that character is very interesting. He is kind of like a side villain for the yeah. first season. And yeah. he uh, there's a moment where he comes across uh, Perrin and Egwene. And there's some good moments there where he's like kind of torturing them to try to get information. But I like that episode as a whole kind of felt weak. So that felt like the, the best part of the episode. Yeah. But they don't want to, again, they don't want to go into the Perrin's character deeply and I don't also like what they did with Perrin's character at the beginning. There's a, there's a, it, the term is called fridging, um, huh. where you, you create a female character just to kill the female character and lend to an emotional boost to a male character. Mm. And he doesn't, Perrin's character in the books doesn't have a wife. He, oh, really? he is just, and that's such a big part yeah. of her, his story. Exactly. In this. It, 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 she's the fridge character. She was created just so Perrin would accidentally kill her in a fight, yeah. which would then lead to an emotional turmoil for him to to boost his character, you know, to, to develop his character. Well, and I'm not sure how sucks, I feel about it. I think it kind of sucks a little bit, but also it, it it is something that, like you said, TV and movies have done 
for forever. Right. And it, and, the, but like, I think are they the going to do anything with it? Yeah. Yeah. Cause also he, they, they express that he has feelings for one of the other main characters. So, right. It, who is sh- the, you know, who is dating another of the main characters. Yes. So it's just like, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's kind of like so they could have on. this, yeah, just so they could have this love triangle thing. I'm not sure. But I, it was Eamon Valda, uh, child. Okay, Valda. fabulous. Fabulous. And who was he? Who was the actor again? Uh, his name was Abdul Salis. And yeah, I thought he was, he was a very good. interesting character, but yeah. I. It doesn't seem like there's going to be any more of him. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, it kind of seems like they left him off where there could be like a grudge thing that goes yeah. on, but I don't know because he could have also biffed be out of the show forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But like, I did, I did like his performance. I thought he was very sinister uh, and kind of slimy feeling because of uh, yeah, he was a little. Yeah. yeah, a little, a little weird, you know. But I loved it. Um, I also like Pat and Fan. I, just, I wish they had gone more into his character because yeah. he's supposed to be very similar to that uh, slimy and sure. Or, yeah, like, you only get this sense evil. that he helps out Matt a little bit. That's that's really what you get from his character. Yeah, there's uh, there's also uh, I don't know he wasn't in this the in the show a lot. Pat and Fane, or sorry, not Jesus Christ, that's his name. Uh, Tom Maryland, that was the name. Uh, Tom Marilyn was the guy they come across at the end who like gives them some help and like helps them run away from a fade. And he was like a traveling entertainer, uh, a gleeman oh, is what yes. they're called in this yeah, show. Like a bard type character. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he is huge in the books. He's only and like in the a, show. They just had him. He's in two <laughs> episodes. Yeah. Yeah, the show he was just not there. He was one of the travelers with Moraine and her. Uh, we haven't talked about him yet, but Moraine's warder is named Lan. Um, yes, and he was one Let's of the travelers the with Lan, Moraine, and the whole group. Really, and it was so it's so weird that they just wrote him out completely. Basically, that is like, so why? Weird. Why even bring him in for that brief moment if you're not going to use him? But he was played by Alexander. Willem, maybe? Uh, I'm sorry. I I don't know how to pronounce it. Apologize. But I thought he was a very interesting character, and I, I hope they do more with him. Yeah, it, I really it, do, it too, because he's like one of my he, favorites. They put a lot of weight in the scenes that he's in. I, I feel like mm-hmm. in those scenes, he's very important. He also helps out then, Matt a lot. Matt Matt's interesting because he keeps on getting into trouble. He just he doesn't know yeah. how to stay out of trouble. Yeah, wow. Matt's the reckless one. Perrin is like the he's a good sturdy worker. He's very mm-hmm. honest, very loyal, um, but also very quiet and you know, he's a tall big guy. He you know, he doesn't you know, he, he's gotta be careful in society so he doesn't hurt people because he's yeah. big. <laughs> and then and then Rand is just kind of like your your standard farm boy. He is a yeah. worker, he is uh stoic, but he, he thinks he's stoic. He goose off. But he's really, really angry. Yeah. Yeah. And then Egwene is just lovely. I love Egwene, but she is like uh, I guess it's fine to say that Egwene and Rand are a thing. Uh they are a cu- uh, a romantic pairing. Mm-hmm. And you know, she thought she was going to just become the wisdom of her town after Nynaeve, you know, if Nynaeve past or whatever she would be the next you know she's gonna yes. be like the apprentice to Nynaeve. yeah she's apprentice yeah 
And, you know, that's, that's kind of her character is like, once this whole journey begins, once they find out that one of them might be the Dragon Reborn, uh, it becomes, you know, her, this huge shift in her because she starts realizing, oh, I can be an Aes Sedai. You know, it's like, I have, I have this magical ability. And so she's very excited about that. That's her character. She's super excited about learning to like what she can do, the power that she has. And that's kind of upsetting pretty much all the men in her life because Rand is just like, I don't want you to be an Aes Sedai. They don't marry. <laughs> right. Yeah. It essentially broke them up. It, well, yeah. the, the wisdom, actually her being the wisdom, at least in the show, broke them up mm-hmm. because the wisdom's supposed to be celibate. No, not celibate necessarily, yeah. but not supposed to be married. I I had to put that in there because there's an instance with uh, Zoe Robbins' <laughs> character and Lan, played by Daniel Henney. I really liked Lan. Uh, but, Man, like, yeah. the relationship between Aes Sedai and Warders, I'm still a little confused. Yeah, they're supposed to be, like, um, I don't know if they're mentally connected, but, like, they are a, a pairing. You know, it's yeah. like Warders protect Aes Sedai, and Aes Sedai, in turn, grants them, like, you know, stronger speed stronger like strength i guess i don't i don't know they're supposed to make them yeah you know more power not more powerful but you know they they can protect them they can heal them that kind of stuff there's and then like warders themselves are like great fighters like they're the aragorn uh aragorn characters yes Um, definitely and he lan he himself came from a faraway kingdom and they do a really interesting episode that is pretty much all about that for half of it and i thought that's yeah. a pretty interesting story that i want to see where it goes very much as right. you said an aragorn type character <laughs> yeah yeah because that his character is almost at least in the that in that just general sense because it's fair to say that he is a you know lost king of a kingdom that's you know the kingdoms Gone. no longer exist yeah. but he was supposed to be the king of it so it's very, very similar to Aragon. The only difference is in the books, he's supposed to be incredibly stoic. Like, he is the stoic one. He never shows emotion. He just has resting bitch face nonstop. The show relaxed that a lot. <laughs> they give him a lot of yeah. personality. He is still stoic. I'm not going to no, deny... Yeah. Um, what was his name? Daniel Henney? Uh, Daniel Henney, yeah. Yeah, he did a great job. I love his interpretation, and I like that he has more of a likable personality because I do love his character in the books. It, but at the same time, his character is typically like kind of mean. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely yeah. a lot nicer. He has he has a yeah. kindness to him in the show, and I appreciate that. And I I appreciate his relationship with Moraine, and I appreciate his relationship with Nanive, and I'm curious as to where that goes because yeah. and i don't i'm not gonna spoil anything by saying this but the interaction between moraine and the other Aes Sedai and including the leader is very interesting all the political stuff in there mm. is very interesting i feel like they could have just a whole show about that right but obviously yeah. that's not what the story is that they're adapting <laughs> yeah that was the that was what surprised me about the second and third books um, because by the end of the first book, you get the the acknowledgement that the individual that the book has been building up would be the Dragon Reborn is, you know, he, he that individual acknowledges that they're the Dragon Reborn. And you kind of think, okay, 
we're going to follow this character for the next two or three books. It goes heavier into the Aes Sedai in the second oh, and third wow. books. There's a lot where it's just like, we're not going to focus on this person for now. We're going to focus on more rain and what's going on here. Shit. And yeah, it, it really does a great job of building all that. And so I'm, I'm really hoping that they continue with that because that, that was some of the more interesting stuff for me was when they were doing the more political aspects yeah, of the show. I thought that that was, yeah, I feel like I got a little bit more into the show when they started talking about the different factions of Aes Sedai, even though they don't, the detail is still missing for what exactly these different factions do. Yeah, I think they had like one scene where Lan kind of like briefly explains it, where he's like, right. oh, well, the blue are interested in wisdom and the, the, the green, they're interested in earth, kind of like earth binding and, yeah. and the red, they hate men. And the white, they do this, and it's just and like, there's oh, yellow okay, ones, you know? and there was a couple people in yeah. black robes. I don't fucking know, man. It's, how many the fuck are right. there? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's because I'm I'm coming back for season two because I'm loving the books. I'm enjoying the books. I want to see what they do with the show, and I hope in the next season that one of the things they try to do better is like, I mean. With a television show, you need some exposition, and right. with a show like this, you need a lot of it. And I kind of hope they do better at explaining things. Yes. Because I still am lost as to what all of it means. Are you ready for closing statements, then? Yeah, I guess I'm kind of just, like, mixing that in here. Yeah. You know, I give it, uh, hmm, I'll give season one two and a half stars. I think that's fair. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I think I'm enjoying the books far more. I'm blasting through them so hopefully by the time the second season comes out i'm like done with it we'll find out there's like 14 of them right at 14 and if i want to read the prequel there's 15 i guess the prequel i haven't again i haven't read it so i don't know but i guess the prequel has some of the um the hints at relationships that we saw blossom in the show specifically between uh moiraine and certain Aes Sedai individuals. Cool. They do. They did one big decision with Moiraine and a certain Aes Sedai uh-huh. that I guess was a fan oh, belief. Really? Oh, yeah, okay. I think fans were like, I think well, Moiraine and this character fuck. And, yeah. you know, people were just like, well, I don't know about that. It's never mentioned in the books. <laughs> and, well, the show was like, nah, you guys right. They fuck. <laughs> they fuck. And so... <laughs> that's another thing to call out uh, to to give this show credit in the closing statement um the the book series one of the things people always mention the main writer died before you could finish it uh, uh robert jordan i think died around the 11th or maybe the 12th book and they were finished by brandon sanderson uh, i hope i hope that's his right name i think it's brandon sanderson or maybe well, it's damn, just Brand. that's a lot of books um, to to yeah add on yeah, and he he was originally given the outcome the the outline for the final book, the last one. You know, Robert Jordan had brought him in because Robert Jordan knew he was dying, brought him in and like outlined all of this, and you know he's like, "This is how I want it to end." And then as Brandon was writing it, he realized, "Oh, this is too big for one book," and so he split it into three. And he, Brandon, I hope his name's Brandon. I'm so sorry if it's not, but he is a a consulting producer on the show. Cool. So that's one one thing I want to credit this show is that they didn't just go out by the rights and then just dive into it. They actually brought a a good source of information Mm -hmm. to help with it. 
And for that, I do applaud them. I think they're rushing it. I think they went to way too much detail in the first season. Could have taken their time and really relaxed. Because they skipped whole characters. They skipped whole towns. Uh, they're, they're kind of melding some characters. And like they're kind of taking like two or three characters and melding them into one character. You know, I think they can take their time. They don't need to rush through this. I know for, you don't want to make 14 seasons of a television show, but... I think there's probably more later on that I'm hoping could be cut. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why they're doing it, but I still applaud them for doing it. It's a. It's a huge task, and I think that they did a decent job in the first season. I do too. Uh, I think that it, it. The first season was enough for me to come back. I think more so mm. than some of the other shows we've talked this year, but I also recognize that there just there's just some detail that's lacking and i really hope they give it to us in the in the second one like you mentioned how the magic works at the very top of the episode and they really just don't go into it like it, it i yeah. think even they might have mentioned it when they do a certain back backflash flashback <laughs> a certain <laughs> flashback scene uh, they do, I think, talk about it in a little bit more detail. But they, if, as far as you know, when you watch a majority of the show, magic is just supposed to be for women, and there's a couple of men who can touch it. Like that's that's kind of yeah. how it feels in the show. And I think that explanation is is worthy of putting in the show because otherwise, it's just that trope that we we talked against. Yeah, just get just get. Uh, oh man, who was. Who's the blonde elf lady in Lord of the Rings that that did the narration at the beginning? Oh, uh, Galadriel. Galadriel. But who's the actress? Just get her to just get her to just narrate that explanation at the very beginning. (laughs) (laughs) We're golden. (laughs) That's funny. So I give it a full face. It's it's a good show. I just feel like it. I don't know. Yeah, it just needs more exposition. That's all. And uh, you know, I think maybe it's worth applauding the writers to to try to let the audience figure it out themselves but i feel like when you have a great source like 14 fucking novels there's a lot of detail in there yeah you know you i feel like i also i hate to say this but like i think the way game of thrones did their exposition through sex like i hate that <laughs> that's one of the reasons i haven't been able to actually watch all of game of thrones is because those first two seasons are so yeah. saturated in sex and mm-hmm. i just it's not me. I don't. I don't want that when I watch television all the time. I'm sorry, but it's just the uh, yeah. It's it's the book can do it easily because it's like you know you're you're reading expositions. It's prose, but then like the show is like, how do we put in this exposition? Oh, we'll just have them have sex. And I feel like those. As much as I hate to say it, though, I feel like the exposition that is presented in Wheel of Times doesn't land because it's told in a pretty dry way at yeah. times. You know, it's just yeah. a, a character telling another character something. It's just like, oh, well, don't you see? Blah, blah, right. blah. I'm sure that there is a sexy way to present the exposition yes. without sex. I'm sure there is. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody will figure it out someday. So, I I think that was probably our show. Probably. I think so. I uh, think you're right. Okay. Well, that's it then. I have been the Green Traveler from Gorsh. And I am the Faceless Leon. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. Safe travels and good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of Fiction Works 19. If you like the show, please show your support 
by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.